Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Topper. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Our topic tonight, ADHD, weight loss, holidays, and the new year. With us in our virtual studio is Dr. Roberto Olivardio, one of our most favorite and articulate guests. Before we get into the show real quickly, tonight's show is being brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, better known as CHAD. We're very, very grateful that... uh, that, uh, they continue to support us, and tonight we're going to give you guys the opportunity to uh, get free copies of Attention Magazine. Uh, all you have to do is listen to our show, and uh, we're going to give out a secret word a couple times during the show. Write it down and listen to a couple other shows. Get the secret word of two more shows. So you have three in total, and email us at attention at attentiontalkradio.com, and when we get the email, we will forward it on and try to email you a PDF copy of the most recent uh, version of Attention Magazine and the next upcoming one. So uh, that's real exciting, so you can actually uh, sample that. Um, we got a little tip that we're going to run for you tonight from Chad, and uh, then we'll get into the meat of the show. So here we go. Holidays can be an emotional roller coaster with family and your child who has ADHD. Remind your family members to stay focused and mindful and allow enough time to finish tasks. Use humor when appropriate and allow this time with family and friends to have teachable moments. Focus on positive experiences. To learn more tips, visit Chad's website at helpforadhd.org. Thank you again, Chad, for your continued support. For those who are not aware of uh, Chad, they're the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. Um, they are the voice. They're the ones that come together, let us speak together. So we really encourage our listeners to support Chad by becoming a member uh, for that single reason. They are the ones that uh, on Capitol Hill. They're the ones that are talking to regulatory agencies to make sure that uh, we are, our voices are heard. And as a member, you get lots of uh, great member benefits, a magazine, um, access to all kinds of other things. Uh, to learn more about Chad and to sign up, go to chadd.org. Um, so with that, let's get into the meat of the show. Um, and this is interesting is, is we pay attention to attention, and often we have topics that we do that we pay attention one way and then we kind of twist it around, and that's what we're doing tonight. Um, we're digging up our archives uh, with Dr. Roberto Olivardio, who's timeless um, and very articulate, and um, we talked about weight loss and ADHD and self-regulation, and tonight we're doing the context of the holidays. Uh, in the middle of the holidays, so that you guys can pause and maybe think about this, be mindful of it, and then carry with this into the new year. Um, this this uh, show was pre-recorded. We're going to roll the tape here in just a second. Uh, we hope you enjoy it. But to understand, ADHD really is very much that of an issue of self-regulation and certainly regulating yourself around food when it's in front of you over the holidays and or when you're bored uh, can be a bit of a challenge. Yes, um, boredom can have a real impact on that, making it more difficult for you to self-regulate. So uh, with that, sit back. We'll roll the show. We hope you enjoy it. We are here with Dr. Roberto Olivardia, who is a clinical instructor of psychology at Harvard Medical School. He maintains a private psychotherapy practice in Lexington, Massachusetts, where he specializes in treatment of attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, 
body dysmorphic disorder, and obsessive compulsive disorder. He also specializes in the treatment of eating disorders in men and boys. He's the co-author, and I always have to pause here, uh, Adonis, The Adonis Complex, which is a book which details the various manifestations of body image problems in men. He has taught courses at the University of Massachusetts, Boston, and Boston College, and he's a regular presenter at the annual CHAD and ATA conferences, among others. And with that, uh, Dr. Olivari, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me, Jeff. Always a pleasure. Well, you know, it's it's always a pleasure having you. You're, you're kind of one of our favorites. We've done different shows before on, on OCD, and we've done some uh, not so obvious solution interviews on attention talk videos, among others. So there's always you're, you're always a wealth of information with uh, really great insights and, and, a, and a plethora of ideas. So today, I, this is interesting. We we've, we've talked about some some topics around what we're talking about, but never kind of specifically um, into weight regulation. We talked about how uh, weight can be an issue for those with ADHD, but when it comes to re- weight regulation and keeping that together, can can you tell us about that a little bit, and then we can talk a little bit about some of the challenges those with ADHD face and maybe what they can do to help manage it? Sure. I think first is to understand that the there is a relationship that we're seeing, and it's something that um, more and more research studies are also confirming, that there is a high prevalence of obesity in the ADHD population. And this sort of goes against uh, sort of knowledge or, or notions that people had that people, particularly hyperactive ADHD people, might actually be underweight because they're moving all the time and burning so many calories. But actually the opposite tends to be true. And um, gastric bypass clinics are seeing a high prevalence of people with ADHD um, and people with ADD who, who talk about the sort of impulsivity around eating. And it makes perfect sense, actually, in the sense that food is, I mean, we have to eat, and we have to eat multiple times in a day. Uh, food is a very central part of many social activities, certainly holidays, um, and it's accessible. And for a lot of individuals who might soothe themselves um, through food, that food is, is just always there. So it makes sense that food can be something that could be problematic in that way for a lot of people. And certainly once they gain unwanted weight, then it's the issue of how do they take it off or how do they keep their weight in a healthy place. And that can also be challenging for people with ADD who sticking to any type of routine of exercise or even just uh, watching what they eat uh, in terms of just healthy eating could be very difficult because there's, there's a lot of executive demand on that. You know, we don't think of eating as something that requires a lot of executive functions, but it actually does because the organization, the decision-making, the time management, all of those things are very central in eating healthy and keeping your weight uh, regulated and, and keeping yourself healthy. Dr. Alt, can I interrupt you right there? Can we just rewind back there about the executive functioning in this? Because I've learned a lot of this from you and some other people, but if we break this down, when it comes to eating, you have, there's a planning function that takes place before you even go to the grocery store, which can be troublesome. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely, definitely. I mean, when we think about if we want to eat healthy, 
we really should be thinking about food hours before we plan on eating it. So what a lot of people, a lot of my clients with ADD will do is that they think about what they're going to eat at the time that their stomach is growling, and that's way too late. Because at that point, yep. not only do we are we impatient, and that would be true for any of us, or would we be impatient to think about what we're going to eat, but our body is actually at that point more, uh, it's it's almost more gravitating itself towards high fat, high carb food because it's yep. it's starving, it's hungry. Yep. So when you think about healthy meal planning, it would be something that uh, might even occur the night before to say, okay, tomorrow I'm going to have this for breakfast and this I'm going to have for lunch and this for dinner. And then on top of that, you say, okay, let's say if I want to have chicken for dinner, um, do I have chicken in the refrigerator? Is it yep. defrosted or is it in the freezer? Do yep. I have the ingri- the seasonings that I want? Um, all yep. of those things that, that really play a part in that. And then you have to also manage whatever else it is you're doing in your day to make sure that you yep. are leaving enough time so you have to have effective time management. So, And then with grocery shopping, uh, definitely it's, it's keep having a list so not to go to the supermarket. Certainly never go to the supermarket when you're hungry because you'll, you'll yep. always buy foods that are are probably not as healthy for you. And then and stick with your list. You know, think about what is it that I need and try not to deviate too much from the list um, and, you know, bring home sort of yep. foods that you know probably aren't going to be so healthy yep. for you. So so you have the planning. Then you actually have to go with your list and get the food and not bring other stuff home. Then when it's home, I always kind of – this cracks me up because I had a client. You have to remember to take the turkey out of the freezer a couple days in advance of Thanksgiving so it can actually defrost. This isn't the night before. It's like a couple days because of the size. Then you exactly. have – then you have the time of food prep because so many healthy foods require, you know, vegetables. You've got to go cut them up. So it requires the time management to do that stuff and the ability to do that repetitive and boring routine task. And then to sit down there at, at, and, and somewhat eat on a regular basis as opposed to just when you haven't. So this area when we talk about, to me, it's wrought with executive functioning issues that are required in order to move forward. So we can see why the research that you're, you're describing to us is, is – is starting to reel so many of those with ADHD have more weight issues because of it. So I didn't want to interrupt too much, but I really wanted to kind of delve in that it's, there's a lot there when you think about it, and it can be real challenging. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and I think that, you know, for, for people with ADHD that it's important that they don't shame themselves for that because I, I can't tell you how often I hear from clients that say, you know, I can't believe that, you know, eating, which is so basic, you know, for everybody else, it, it takes so much, it requires so much effort. And especially for parents who have ADHD, it's not only just about their own eating and health, but how they feed their children. And that can make any parent feel guilty if they feel that they're not doing right by their children. And what I tell people is this is what ADD is. It's, it's, it's these um, routine tasks that are the ones that are most effective, thing, uh, that are affected, things like eating, things like sleeping, um, that are all very, very important to, to work with, but also to help people understand that it is many, many different executive demands that uh, just come easy to a lot of people, but unfortunately for a lot of people with ADD uh, don't. And, and it's very important, too, that people understand and, and really just be honest with themselves and, and realistic about, you know, what are, like, don't set yourself up that if you're saying, okay, I'm going to make a four-course dinner uh, tomorrow and you know that that's really going to be probably over your head, don't set yourself up. It's okay to to think of simple ways to eat healthy. It, eating healthy doesn't mean you have to uh, break your bank or to, you know, consider tw- 
20 different appetizers and everything. It's um, You can do it in a relatively simple way. Yeah, and, and I, I, towards the end of the show, I actually kind of want to get into some tactical type things because I got some thoughts, and I think that can really help. Because you're right, you, you, this doesn't have to be a you know five course gourmet meal in order to eat healthy. And there's some kind of simple things that you can do, um, Doctor Oliverti. We need to run to a break, um, but but when we come back, one of the things I want to talk about is is the notion of lifestyle and diet, because also often I hear people, well, I'm going to go on a diet, and to me. I, you know, when I look up diet, it's you know particularly like you know what's the diet of a of a lion? Well, it's you know live meat. It's it's kind of what they eat, not necessarily this mm-hmm. kind of special thing. And I think you, you got some some great thoughts on that. So we'll, we'll hit that when we come back. Um, we've had you on so many times before. Has anything changed? If anybody's got any questions or need to contact you, is your email address the best place to reach out to you? Yes, that would be my email address, which is Roberto underscore Olivardia at HMS. Secret word tonight is diet. And with that, we'll be right back after these messages. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Hey, you parent or your kid who struggles with performance, motivation, or behavior? I'm Cindy Goldrich, parent coach and teacher trainer. Join me to learn how to reduce the chaos and stress and tackle issues such as motivation, setting boundaries, and increasing compliance. I've been helping parents for over 10 years through my nationally recognized parent workshop series, calm and connected join me for a live webinar and it's now also available on demand go to ptscoaching.com to register today that's ptscoaching.com transform lives as a professionally trained adhd coach at the add coach academy adhd coaching is in demand a calling and a career learn how you can change your lives by going to addca.com slash atr That's addca.com slash ATR. The average annual cost of attending college starts around $25,000. Students who have ADHD are at high risk of dropping out because they haven't learned the critical skills they need to succeed in school. Protect your investment with an EDGE Foundation coach, specifically trained to help students with ADHD and executive function challenge make the transition from high school to college. Visit edgefoundation.org to learn more or call 206-632-9497 and use promo code EDGE to get your free college success guide. Make every moment count with Time Timer, a sensitive solution for ADHD time management. It shows how much time is left using a bright red disc that gets smaller as time passes. To place an order for a Time Timer, all you have to remember is timetimer.com. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by digcoaching.com. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're having uh, uh, Roberto Olivardi on again, as we had so many times, because you got some great insights on some great topics, and today we're talking about ADHD, lifestyle, and weight regulation. And before the break, um, Dr. Oliver, I kind of mentioned there's that word diet out there, and there's this lifestyle thing. And I, I think that there's a lot of insight in kind of comparing the, and contrasting those two together. Can you speak to that for a few minutes? Absolutely. The coming working in the field of eating disorders over the last 20 years, I specialize in working with boys and men with eating disorders, and that's a significant part of of my practice. That uh, the word dieting is a word that I think um, 
we have to really reconsider and think about. So, you know, we can talk about our diet in terms of what we eat, but the, the use of the word as, okay, I'm going to restrict uh, eating certain kinds of food and I'm going to eat in a way that's not typically how I would eat for uh, a specified length of time. I'm going to lose weight and then after that, I can pretty much resume eating how I was before. That concept is actually uh, not healthy at all. And in fact, one of the contributing factors to obesity in this country is excessive dieting, which sounds really odd. But the reason it is a contributing factor is because diets in that way do not work. We can lose the weight, but our bodies will not only gain the weight back if, it was, if we lost the weight either in an unhealthy fashion or if we lost the weight through means that are really not um, easily maintainable. If, if, if we're, if we're going to just eat salad every single day for two weeks, we'll lose weight. But then the question is, will you be eating salads for the rest of your life or are you going yes. to introduce other things? And that's where it's important to be realistic because then what happens is that the body rebounds by not only gaining the weight back but then gaining more almost as an insurance policy. And so what I tell people is we want to get the notion of, of dieting out of our vocabulary and really make it about how can I eat in a way that's healthy and that I can really keep up with consistently. And it's something that I like because the other thing is with food, and I see this all the time with my eating disorder patients, is that food can be looked at as a good or bad thing, as, oh, um, this is good food, this is bad food, and we want to take that away as well. All food is good. I mean, even cookies and cakes, it tastes good. There's nothing wrong with it as long as we have it in moderation, as long as we're regulating it. And so that, that I think, is the key is to be very aware of how can I eat in a way that I can really keep up with and like? Because if you're eating something that you really don't like for a period of two weeks just to lose weight, yeah, you'll lose the weight, but then if you really hate that thing, you're not going to continue that. And so the goal is to how do you take um, something that you might like and find a substitute? So, for example, I uh, used to love drinking soda. Um, and, you know, soda is one of the quickest ways to get sugar into your body, and one of the leading causes of obesity, particularly amongst adolescents these days, is just the consumption of sugar that they get from soda. And I, I assumed that it was probably, I mean, I'm sure the sugar was one part that I was looking for, um, maybe the caffeine, although I, I don't think so much the caffeine. And so when I started to realize, okay, this is an easy thing I can, you know, cut out. I would rather eat my calories in food than yep. in, uh, in drinks. And so I started drinking carbonated water, and I found, you know, Poland Springs has this mandarin orange flavor, which is very good and very refreshing. And I realized it's not even the sugar so much that I was looking for. It wasn't the caffeine. I just like the carbonation. That, And I find with a lot of my uh, either people I know with ADD or, or clients of mine that just drinking plain water, which is, the, is great. I mean, it's the best thing you can do, but it's almost it almost feels too boring to them, yep. Um, yep. and and I like a cold glass of water when I'm really 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 thirsty. But on a regular basis, it just it doesn't float my yes. boat, you know. It doesn't. But those carbonated waters, I can drink those down all the time, and so that's what I reach for now instead of the soda. And, and that was a substitution that I could not only live with but actually enjoy more, um, because soda was never really. I never felt great after drinking yep. a soda, but I actually feel better because I'm hydrating myself with water. Um, so looking for things like that, like if there are foods, you know, that that you um, 
that you find, like fast food, for example, um, to try to limit how much fast food you have. Even eating out in restaurants, I always encourage people to go, uh, if you go to a restaurant, go to the website of the restaurant and look at the nutritional information. You would be shocked by how much fat is in some of these foods. And the reason that restaurant foods taste good is because they're loaded. I mean, there's no regulation on how much fat they can put in food. Mm -hmm. And you'd be amazed. Um, You know, I have a a client who works in a restaurant, and he said in that particular restaurant, when they make steaks, they put a stick of butter on the steak as it's grilling. So an entire stick of butter is being absorbed into the steak. Now, you can't see a stick of butter when it's delivered to your plate, but you know it tastes good. And you say, hmm, this tastes, you know, really yummy. Well, of course, they put a stick of butter on it. But and, and so it's so important, like with restaurants, really just educate yourself because that alone could make a big difference. If you know that the burger that you're eating has 60 grams of saturated fat, you could you know, be like, whoa, you know. Um, now, it doesn't mean you can never eat it, and it doesn't mean that it's, it's quote-unquote bad to eat it. But if you eat it, you might want to be aware of how often you eat it or how you eat mm-hmm. if you eat that for lunch, maybe eating lighter for the rest of the day. And you sort of, that's what regulation is. It's about how do I kind of regulate and work with this. Uh, just a few comments. Number one, I absolutely loved the carbonated water. I've done that myself over the years. Um, I used to drink soda. I tried diet drinks. And actually, when I tried the diet stuff, I felt worse. But I found that if I go to the carbonated type stuff, like a seltzer water club soda or some of the other stuff, is that it was the texture of the carbonation sometimes there. And so often you get these little flavors in there, and there's like no calories. And it's it's not as good as water, but it's it's nice and healthy. The, the other thing that that I really kind of want to highlight, we've done some shows with some nutritionists in the past, and when you think economic, it, it's in the economic interest of the restaurant. If, I'm going to go to an extreme. Is If they could get you addicted to their food, they would, because then you'd come back, and it, they would sure. profit to make their job a lot easier. So when they're sitting down and they're serving some stuff, I mean, their job is they want you to taste it. They want it to taste good, and they want it to come back. And so, you know, salty meat and stuff, is, I mean, it's, it's to their interests, if you will, to provide more of this so you'll crave it and kind of come back. And I think that if you're with ADHD and you really want to regulate this and begin to deal with it, you need to begin to understand that they're fighting against you because they're, they're kind of preying on you to a certain degree. The better they can take to do it, the better. And one of the things that, that I think that you're illuminating kind of indirectly is if you, ADHD is such an issue of self-regulation, and so often you either need to adjust your environment so you're not tempted, or you need to kind of distract yourself. And if you go online and you begin to read kind of the stuff that's there and you become aware of it, you you then begin to, to, to do research in some other areas and pick other places that might make some more sense. Now, I'm not a Subway fan because I don't, I don't necessarily care for it, but I know a lot of people who have, have uh, controlled their weight going there because it there's less that they can hide in that particular type of venue. Make sense to you? Yes. Oh, absolutely. And I think everything you're saying is I 100% agree with, that you know, the restaurant industry is not about keeping you healthy. It's about making money and, and what will bring people back. And, uh, right, I mean, we're ta- one of, I was just talking about fat, but mentioning salt. I mean, you'd be amazed yep. at how much yes. sodium is put in this food, um, you know, sugar, uh, and then just I mean, just stuff that if you were to make that same food at home, you would never 
do. I mean, or if you did, if you did put a stick of butter on, on steak, at least, you know, there would be the sense of like, oh, wow, you know, I'm putting a stick of butter. You'd be at least more mindful of it and then can you know what you're working against. But with the restaurant industry, we don't, we don't know. And there are some restaurants out there that, um, you know, like Cheesecake Factory was notorious for not publishing their nutritional information. And I don't, I don't know if they are now, but I think they eventually did. But it was astronomical how much fat was in, you know, some of the foods. And this is stuff that alone can just help people say, okay, instead of that, I'm going to, you know, choose uh, this. Or if they go to a restaurant, uh, maybe choosing something that is, you know, lighter on the menu, you know, for them to eat. But I always, it's so important, too, with people with ADD is that because they're often so externally stimulated that it can be very hard sometimes to pay attention to what internally is going on in their bodies. You know, everything from am I hungry, am I too full, um, even those cues are hard. I mean, we know that for people when they're in a hyper-focused zone can go hours without eating and they're hyper-focused on their activities and it's important that they pay attention to, oh, it's noon, I really should start thinking about lunch now. Even though I'm not hungry and I'm in the middle of this activity, it is important to break away from the activity because if you don't, what happens is that your body is starving, although you're not connected to it. And then later on in the day when you're done with the activity, it's the end of the night and now you're ravenous. And you're not going to crave broccoli when you're ravenous. You're going to crave high-fat, high-carb, high-sugar food. And then uh, subsequently, there's research that shows that people with ADD are uh, slower at determining that they're satiated and that they're that not even full. I mean, by full, we're, that's almost a word that we would use when you literally can't eat anymore. We're talking about when you're satisfied, when yep. really you don't need to eat anymore. Yep. And I think that those are terms that with a lot of my ADD clients I use, the difference between being full and the difference between being satisfied. Um, and many people with ADD often eat until they're full. And if that's the case, you you know go back to the restaurant example, not only are they giving you often unhealthy foods, but the portions are often huge. Um, and again, the you know huge portions to drive people there to yep, say, wow, yep. you've got a lot of food. And if it's in front of you, you know, I always say yep. people with ADD often have a seafood diet. If they see yep. it, they will eat it. And if it's in front of you, you're going to eat it, even yep. if it's a portion yep. that you would never eat if it was divided into you know four or five helpings. So that's very important too to be aware of. Okay, am I satisfied? And even the way that people with ADD eat. Uh, you know, I, I do a lot of strategies around, you know, taking a bite of food and then putting your utensil down until you have chewed and swallowed that food. And you would think that that would be easy, but for a lot of people with ADD, that's very tough because they're so used to literally just shoveling food in and eating so fast. Or many of my patients will eat while doing other things like watching television, driving, which is so dangerous on other levels, Um you know, while while they're at the desk working, and all that does is it makes them less mindful of how much they're eating, how quickly they're eating, and food has to be something we have to respect. Like we have to respect uh, the uh, you know the the dinner hour or you know the lunchtime. Mm-hmm. And it's fine if you're social and being social with people, you can have more of a mindfulness. But if you're watching television while eating, um, and you have a bag yep. of chips. It's the, that whole bag of chips is probably going to be gone versus if you oh, took yeah. a handful, put them in a bowl, and then sat down and eat it, you'd be yep. more mindful of the quantity. Wow. There's, oh my, I, I, 
We need to go to a break for a second, but I just want to kind of highlight a few tidbits, offer a, some other stuff on what you just said, because there's so much that's that's fascinating what you did. One, or what you just described, one is you talked about, you know, sometimes you don't feel the urge to eat. And, and, and in my world, I, sometimes, I'm, I, don't, I don't coach people that are obese, but people that are trying to lose some weight. It's so often I try to, let's, let's manage, let's coach your attention so your mind is occupied, um, because if you become bored, you're more apt to go eat. And, and what I mean by that is, is, one, is, A, it's time to eat, it's time to eat. But when there's other times in your world, if you're bored, we begin to manage, what are we going to do to stimulate your mind to keep it occupied? Because so often those with ADHD, if they've got something that their mind is into, then the food becomes secondary and it can be very, very helpful. That's one. Number two is I've, I've talked about this a lot in my presentations about um, um, ADHD and exercise is that uh, stimulants dehydrate you, and it suppresses your urge to drink. And so that can, and, and being dehydrated can be taxing to the uh, the executive functioning system. And so I'm just really trying to highlight is when you get kind of caught up on on some stuff, you have the ability to kind of to to to, to, to miss meals and miss doing that. So it's doable, but it's really very much about managing your environment. Uh, another comment is the the play. I grew up in my family is you had to be part of the clean plate club you know you whatever food was on your plate you had to eat when you go out to these restaurants that there were that just run this over you have to kind of pause and realize wait a second they're doing that kind of by design and kind of tricking you in and not kind of fall into that and the other thing that i just want to comment on is dr oliver i found so much and i i, I learned a lot in working with dr tuckman is you know we were in, in detroit uh last summer sharing a cab ride and he and i started talking about boredom and i've it's interesting to me that how many people eat when they're bored as a result of some of that stuff. And so if you can actually sometimes manage the boredom, sometimes I think it can help you move forward on some of this stuff. So I need to go to a break, but real quickly, is there anything that you'd like to, to adjust or comment on that I just said? Oh, I 100% agree with the boredom, and that's something maybe after the break we can talk more about because that is a yep. big issue for people with ADD. All right, so let's run to a break. Um, if you need a contact or you're interested in learning more about Roberto, go to his email address at roberto underscore olivardia at hms.harvard.edu. Secret word tonight is diet. With that, we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Make every moment count with Time Timer, a sensitive solution for ADHD time management. It shows how much time is left using a bright red disc that gets smaller as time passes. To place an order for a Time Timer, all you have to remember is timetimer.com. You can't go off to college with them, but we can. Visit edgefoundation.org to learn more how an edge coach can help your student reach their full potential. You can also call 206-632-9497 and use promo code EDGE and get a free college success guide. Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? <laughs> Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. 
Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay, do it today. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back here with uh, Dr. Olivaria talking about lifestyle and weight regulation. Uh, we've covered some great material. Before the break, we touched on boredom a little bit. you want to kind of pick up where we left off there? Because I'd like to talk about that. I want to introduce another concept that I call friction, and that is the, the stuff that you have to do to get to the food and do that stuff that can kind of be a barrier. And then we'll talk about some, uh, some practical-type things that people can do to kind of help them with this. But before we get to that, uh, boredom. Absolutely. That, you know, we're, we're very familiar with the concepts of people who eat when they're stressed and if you've had a bad day at work. Um, the, it's certainly a, a common societal notion that food can be the thing that we use to soothe ourselves. Um, obviously, for some people, that can become very problematic because it's not the one day a month that they do this, mm-hmm. but it could be every day that they do it. Um, so, But what's interesting is for a lot of people with ADD, certainly those factors come up, stress and and anger if they're um, feeling unhappy. But the thing that I hear the most is boredom as a trigger for my clients with ADD who have binge eating uh, problems. And they'll say that they feel just a lack of stimulation. So it's not even that they're feeling particularly stressed. They're just feeling like a nothingness, that they just want to do something. And food, again, is very accessible, and it's legal, and it's uh, always there, and it's easily something that can provide that relief um, because it's it's acting on dopamine neurotransmitters in, in our brain. So what is so important for those individuals in particular is how do we be mindful that it's not that you're hungry, it's that you're bored. And if you're bored, then the solution really is what are other alternative stimulating behaviors and activities that you can do that are healthy and that are fun and that are pleasurable. And with a lot of my clients, when they tap into those, they don't even think about food. And it it mind boggles them because they'll say, wow, I really thought I was hungry and I needed to eat. And then when they started consuming themselves with other uh, pleasurable, healthy activities, they realized it, it wasn't about their appetite at all. It was all about just this need to just fill this space that felt uh, just boring to them. At, at the end of the day, food is interesting, right? Absolutely. I mean, food, if you think, I mean, it's a very sensory thing. I mean, and people with ADD are very sensory-oriented individuals. Um, you know, you smell food, we see it, we taste it, uh, you're touching it, it has a tactile yep. response. Yep. So there is, um, you know, we, we all can relate to that when we walk into a bakery and we smell, you know, the, the chocolate chip cookies yep. and, and the cake, like they're just very pleasant and there's something very stimulating and very grounding about that. Yep. And also, for a number of my ADD patients, they'll say that, so there's boredom is one factor, but another factor is that they say that food becomes a way to help them from all their sort of racing thoughts, that it actually helps ground them. Mm-hmm. And so what they're really struggling with is kind of not even necessarily being anxious, but they just feel like their head's just thinking of too many things, like they're just yep. restlessly distracted. And food becomes kind of the mechanism of, okay, this is what I'm going to focus on. I'm going to focus on eating. And because it is this, it's so sensory stimulating that it does, in fact, sort of block out all those other racing thoughts and focus on the food. But, of course, again, 
if it's uh, not mealtime and if you've eaten what you need to eat in the day, then it can become very unhealthy. And those are a lot of extra calories. And the time of yep. day that that most likely is to occur is at nighttime. And, of yep. course, people then are supposed to go to sleep. And, and sleep is also, I should just mention as well, is hugely important in weight regulation. That one of the first things that I work on with my ADD clients who have weight problems is that we make sure that they're sleeping enough because if you are sleep deprived, your body actually increases and decreases certain hormones that actually predispose you to obesity by Mm -hmm. holding on to body fat, by uh, allowing you to crave fats and carbohydrates. So for some individuals, when they get into a healthy sleep routine without doing anything else with their dieting or, or anything like that, we'll find that they can lose weight just because they're sleeping better. Wow. That, that, I can identify with that. The less I sleep, the more I eat. <laughs> Dr. Yep. Yeah, I'd like to share just some of my thoughts um, that are more tactical for people and kind of get your comments on some of those from your perspective, and you can kind of add in. Um, we talked about this a little bit earlier uh, about, you know, you don't have to make these huge gourmet meals. And I've coached some people before where we were talking about, like, breakfast. Sometimes, you know, they're rushing out the house because they're running late and breakfast is kind of an issue and they grab, like, you know, some Pop-Tarts or something like that. And I, I, I've done some, some attention talk videos about protein and how, you know, protein for breakfast is really medication for those with ADHD. I mean, it really can be helpful. And I was coaching a guy one time that we were we were talking around this, and he wanted to eat healthy, and he was going on about this breakfast. And I said, well, let's let's cut the friction out. And he goes, what's friction? I mean, friction is all those things that you have to do to get to the food. And sometimes the, the nice thing about fast food and everything else, there's no friction. You just grab it and you eat it. And that notion of just hard-boiling like a dozen eggs, so we're not waking up and making eggs and bacon, all that kind of stuff. There's just a hard-boiled egg that you just crack and basically take the packaging off and eat it. Mm-hmm. That, what do you think of that type of mentality where you begin to take a look at, at the food and say, I've got to reduce the amount of handling of the good foods so that when I need it, it's there at point of performance? Absolutely. That, that That's a, a very big part of the work that I do with, with my clients around how to try to simplify it as much as possible. So one of the, I mean, you mentioning hard-boiled eggs is perfect. I mean, the morning especially for many people with ADD because either they don't get enough sleep or they're just rushing in the morning, mm-hmm. it's just too much of a demand. So skipping breakfast is a very common issue for people with ADD. And for all the reasons you mentioned that, you know, protein is so vital and so important, particularly in the morning. And the word breakfast is what it breaks the fast of when you ate dinner the night before until lunchtime. And if you go from dinner the night before to lunchtime without eating, you're you're going to be starving yourself. And I guarantee at lunchtime, you're most likely not going to be picking the healthiest option of what to eat. So breakfast is so important. So absolutely, hard boil a dozen eggs and just have them in the refrigerator, and then you just pop a couple, yep. um, and that becomes your breakfast. Um, yeah, I, if, we, uh, we, we, we've interviewed some people on this, and as I understand it, protein, in, in a weird kind of way, is it's like a, a, a time-release mechanism for some kind of carbohydrate. So the good part about, like if you had Pop-Tarts, you know, you spike and you kind of go up and down this roller coaster. But if you take protein in the morning, not only does it help creation of neurotransmitter, but it's a time-release thing so that you don't have those spikes so that when lunch comes around, you're hungry, but you're not ravenously hungry. Is that is, is that true from your perspective? Or is it? Or is it... Yeah, definitely. Yeah, if you, if you look at protein, it's, it's a very... 
um, it's like a marathon runner. You know, it's not the, the it's more like mm-hmm. the tortoise and not the hare. Yep. Um, sugar is more the hare in the story where it, it's, you know, it sprints, but then it crashes yep. and it just collapses. And protein is more the sustaining marathon runner that kind of really is more, um, just more consistent and more sustaining. So if you have more protein, you'll find that you are are pretty satisfied until, um, you know, either a, a little snack mid-morning uh, or by lunchtime versus if you had Pop-Tart or something that was heavy carb, um, you would find that you're going to be hungry an hour later. I mean, many cereals, for example, are just loaded with sugars and carbohydrates. Yep. Um, so many cereals are are you eat and you're going to be hungry a half hour later. Now, if you find that cereals that you eat are high in fiber or protein, you won't be hungry as much a half hour later. It's just more filling. It's more sustaining in the body. Mm-hmm. But definitely everything you said is uh, is so true in terms of the friction. Uh, one of the things that I'm a fan of personally as, as someone with ADD is, and who you know, strives to eat healthy is the crock pot. And um, for people who don't know what a crock pot is, it's basically this uh, pot that you, this ceramic looking um, large pot that gets put into this um, almost like a, a burner in some ways that heats up mm-hmm. this, this ceramic pot. But what's great about crock pot is that you can put um, ingredients and you literally just put it in the crock pot and you put it on low or high, and it cooks. It's slow cooks. It's also called a slow cooker. Yep. It can slow cook for anywhere from four to eight hours, depending on what the recipe is. And it's like an instant meal. And you could then, and then all you have to do is, because part of the friction is also cleaning up after dinner or yes. lunch or breakfast, which a lot of my clients have a very hard time keeping up with. And, they're, and they say, oh, my gosh, I, I, I can cook, but then I have all these pots and pans, and I'm too tired, and then they end up there the whole week, and then I get fruit flies, and I mean, it just yep. becomes this, all that friction. The crock pot is just one thing you have to clean afterwards. And so to give you an example, I did this the other night where I just had six boneless breasts of chicken, threw it in the crock pot, um, a packet of Italian seasonings from like the, uh, the yep. Italian seasoning dressing, yep. put that in, and a can of cream of chicken soup. And yep. that's all that I put in there. I slow cooked it for four and a half hours, and it was delicious. And it comes out, like, very moist because the air and the water yep. is, yep. you know, cooking in there. And it was an instant meal. And I actually, in the past, have put in for, uh, more than I know we would have for dinner and purposely to save it so that the, it makes for another meal the next day or for lunch the next day. And then when you're done, you just have this crock pot, and you literally just fill it with hot water and some soap, let it soak, and then an hour later, you wash it, and it's very easy. So that's something that, to me, is a very low-friction yeah. thing. So, yeah, yeah, I, I love that because you, you just toss everything in, you turn it on, it's done. I love how you're making extra because then you put it into a few things and stick it in the, in the freezer for later. When you're in a hurry and you pull it out and you nuke it, it's quicker than standing in line at, at McDonald's. The other thing, too, is exactly. you really hit on a big point was the, the cleanup side. Uh, often, I know in our house, we kind of keep some plastic bowls in some place because when you're on the run, it's better just to throw that stuff in there and eat it and toss it, and literally all you have is the crock pot. And the other thing cool about the crock pot is sometimes – if it's if it's really difficult, like you know, there's lots of stuff that's doing, is you can actually just turn on low for a little bit with the soap and the water. It makes it very easy to clean. You just dump it and sponge it, so you've reduced the friction there. You've got the leftovers and stuff, and it's so easy. 
you know, I've done some of that stuff myself before. I use a Dutch oven, which is really the same concept. And literally, I just go get like a, a, a roast, and I'll just throw a bunch of vegetables and some seasoning and put it together. And I, because because of its nature, and the, you, it's, you're just throwing everything in, it's kind of combination. It usually comes out really, really good, and it's really, really simple. But again, you reduce the friction, you made it relatively easy, and the leftovers are just grab and go when you need them. So I, I love that idea. Definitely, and and I think you know that that would be one thing. Or things. Um, the other thing is, you know, for pe- for people with ADD, you know, they often think outside the box or might do things outside the box. And even the notion of breakfast. That one of the things that I've recommended um, to to clients who have a hard time, you know, with breakfast is uh, Purdue has a product of uh, already cooked grilled chicken strips, yep. and they're in a, a bag. They're refrigerated, and uh, I. I think why not have that? I mean, if well, who says breakfast has to be cereal and milk all the time? Um, if grilled chicken is what you're eating, and for parents who have kids with ADD, um, they they say sometimes that's what all their kids will eat is chicken, you know, for breakfast. Yep. I'm like, that's perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with. I mean, if it's fried chicken, then you know, again, you're having a lot more calories. But grilled chicken, why not? Um, and so it, it's to think in, in those ways. You know, walk around the supermarket. And see, you know, what are what are products like that? Get ideas from other people yep. who are also healthy eaters about what they might do. Yep. Uh, we're, I'm going to pull this all together in a second, but there's one other area that I'd like to kind of talk to about all of already is that's managing your environment. And we've talked about yeah. boredom. We've talked about eating healthy and kind of friction stuff like that. But I'll take a kind of case in point is, you know, I see you on a regular basis at ADD conferences. And a lot of times there's like a, there's breakfast in the morning and there's like lunch during the day. And it's interesting because um, – um, I'll go in and I'll see people go park themselves and they'll eat and get up and go get kind of more. Now, I, I can tell this is – my family is, is is not light. I don't like to say they're obese, but they could probably die a little bit, and I never have been. But I know when I go to those types of things and there's like a buffet or food, I go and I, I either go late or I go and eat and then I go – grab somebody and hook up with them out in the hall, maybe like you, and shoot a video or something like that, because I don't want to be sitting at that table. I don't want to be in an environment where I have to to um, resist something. I was watching a, a Brain Games show the other night, and they were having these kids in this room with cotton candy, and they got basically they were trying to tempt the kids. The person had said something that was really profound to me, and that is uh, resistance is a finite resource. And the more you put yourself in that environment and tempt yourself over a short period of time, you might be able to do it, but the longer it goes, the more difficult it is to resist. So that notion of managing your diet and not hanging out with food where it is as a means to distract yourself, what are your thoughts on that mindset, lifestyle, or concept? Oh, uh, uh, 100% very important, and that's something um, I discuss a lot with my clients. I mean, things like buffets, like I know that the most I've ever consumed in one sitting was that the first time I ever went to a buffet, and I remember it very clearly. I was in college at the time, um, you know, I'm in the Boston area, and the sort of buffet-type restaurants were not very popular. I mean, I didn't know any growing up. It wasn't a popular notion here until uh, the early 90s. Some of them started popping up. And I thought, this is the most amazing thing. I mean, you have all these options. I'm not eating a lot of everything. I'm just going to have a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But if you have 50 things, a little bit of 50 things makes for (laughs) a lot of food. (laughs) And by the end, I had eaten 
so much that, I mean, I literally could not even move because I was afraid I was going to, to vomit. I mean, it was that bad. Yep. I mean, I, and it's funny because if you had asked me throughout it, I didn't have a sense that I was overeating. Like, I didn't have yep. that sense. I thought, oh, I'm just having a little bit of pasta and a little bit of the steak and a little bit of this. But I didn't realize I was going back and forth and back and forth. And, you know, also, you know, you mentioning your family that, you know, when you grow up and whether it's the you have to clean your plate because there are kids starving in other parts of the world or if, hey, you know, let's get our money's worth. You know, I come from yep. a very, you know, middle-class yep. family where it, you get your, your bang for your buck. And yep. so the idea of a buffet of paying 17 bucks, well, I'm going to eat yep. at least 17 bucks. Um, <laughs> and so <laughs> plus some. And the reality is I could. And when I was younger, I was – very very thin and and looking back i had i would have that same impulsivity but it never uh showed in my body i mean i was also very yep. active um now i'm a psychologist my job i'm sitting down all day and i'm also you know older i'm not 20 years old anymore and so i realize now wow these are habits that i really always have had but mm-hmm. now I have to work at them much more. And so buffets are very are one of those things I'm very mindful, you know, with some of these conferences, if that's all the yep. hotel has, I'm very yep. conscious of I'm going to not overload my plate and maybe if I go up for seconds, but that's it. I don't go in yep. with this mentality anymore if I have to get my money's worth. And I tell people, you know, working, you know, in the extreme end for people with eating disorders, that it really is no different than the alcoholic who shouldn't be in a bar you know, yeah. if you're in a bar, that's that's just not a good setting for you if you're tempted. Now, with food, of course, it's a little bit different because we have to eat and it's going to be yep. around us. But we could determine there might be certain things like buffets. We don't have to ever go to a buffet. We can go to restaurants without going to a buffet. Um, you know, we could go to – we can we have more choice in that, yep. um, in that yep. realm. So although we might not be able to, um, you know, always – like if, if the hotel that you're staying at, for example, only has a buffet, okay, you might not have as many options, but then you just are much more mindful of it. Yep. But that's extremely important. I mean, it's even food. Yep. Like um, I love Oreo cookies, for example, but I know I cannot bring a package of Oreo cookies in my house because I, they will be consumed within yep. 48 hours. Um, and especially the packaging. I don't know if you've seen the new packaging of the Oreos. It's so easy. You don't even have to... You know, before you had to open up the whole package and take all the cookies, put them in a Tupperware. Now it's just like quick slip. Um, yeah, it's like a Kleenex box. The first one's sitting on the outside, just for you to grab and start eating. <laughs> <laughs> now, I want to, I want to, I want to kind of highlight some of the things that you just said differently. We talked about the buffet in my house for Thanksgiving. We've got it down to turkey, mashed potatoes, green beans, and rolls. And the reason for that, we used to make all this stuff, and you, you grab all that stuff, but if it's just those basic, which is kind of really what we eat, it makes it so much easier for us not to overeat. And, again, that's that's kind of just a temptation. Um, in the context of all this thing, I, I want to bring – at least some focus on this because we've been talking about a variety of things, but I kind of want to take it back to, I think, which is a, one of the premises of your philosophy here, is dieting is not a special thing. Dieting is really a lifestyle. It's your daily habits of food consumption. And yeah. I think if you if, if you really want to effectively manage your weight over a long period of time, you need to go at this as this is not a diet. This is a lifestyle change which needs to have some room for some exercise. It needs to have some room for uh, meals 
But the less friction there are and the easier you can get at those foods and reduce the executive functioning, the more probable you'll eat the better stuff when you need to as opposed to the stuff that's not so good for you. And if you can create the environment where you're not tempted all the time, those fundamentals, I think, can kind of go a long way. Um, but there's one piece of this that I'd like to add to it that we haven't talked about that I think underlines a lot of these issues for a lot of people, and that is alcohol. Where does mm-hmm. alcohol fall in all this? Well, alcohol, I mean, one of the contributors to the freshman 15, which is the term that is used for college students when they go off to college, they end up gaining 15 pounds. Um, And I think there is some truth to that. I don't think that that's just a a myth. I mean, one of that is the dining halls are kind of like these buffets. So that certainly um, sleep habits go out the window for a lot of college students. So you have that. And then alcohol consumption for a lot of college students. Now, alcohol um, is a depressant for the body, so it's going to lower your metabolism, number one, and it's going to lower your inhibitions. So, you're, um, you know, if you're drinking, you're also not going to be as mindful about what you're eating, and you're eating when your body is actually in a very lowered state of metabolism, particularly if you're drinking too much. And then the alcohol itself, you know, has calories. Uh, beer, you know, has calories. So you're hitting, you're kind of being hit from all these different angles. Um, so it's very important for people who drink to keep that in mind as well in terms of, um, you know, again, it, everything's in moderation. If, if uh, you have a glass of wine, that's fine. You just, you know, be mindful of it. But when it becomes something that becomes excessive and people with ADD have very addictive personality traits um, and will find, and I, I also have to say I've worked with many people in, in the addiction field. It's very common what they call an addiction transfer, which is that mm-hmm. people who are recovered drug addicts or recovered alcoholics, it's not uncommon for them to then turn to food addiction, you know, that there's mm-hmm. this sort of addictive nature that is going to express itself somewhere. So it's very important for people who are in sobriety for drugs or alcohol to be aware of their eating because food can become a very easy target. But absolutely, alcohol consumption is definitely in that mix because it can hit us in different angles. And so you, just the reason I threw that on top is we're talking about food and lifestyle and all that kind of stuff. And we all so often people don't mention this, but I know there's a lot of people that I know because I think you just nailed it. If you drink the alcohol, it increases your depressive state. That's one issue. But more, it reduces your metabolism. It, it um, reduces your inhibition. And there's calories on top of it. So all that stuff is you're fighting the current. So if you're yeah. trying to do some of this stuff and you have the lifestyle where you're coming home and you're having a couple beers every night, that in and of itself creates a problem. And you can diet to the cows come home. But if you're not adjusting that lifestyle type thing, sometimes I wonder if you're fighting a losing battle. Definitely. And then, you know, what I tell people, too, is it's so important, whether it's alcohol consumption, particularly sleep, all of those things that, um, you know, some of my clients will say, you know, I'm exercising and and I'm eating relatively healthy. I don't understand why I'm not losing weight. And these are for people who are, in fact, overweight. And one of the things is if they're not sleeping well, what I tell them is when you're on a treadmill, for example, and the data says, okay, you burnt this many calories, working out, I said, there's an assumption that machine is making that all other things are sort of in a healthy plane. But if you haven't, if you slept two hours the night before, you're not burning the the number of calories that uh, sort of a, a regulated individual would be burning. So you could be exercising the same half hour, 
But depending on how you slept, depending on whether you drank a lot of alcohol, depending on all these other factors, your body is not necessarily burning the same amount of calories each and every time. So it's very specific to what else is going on in the context, and that's why it's important to understand the important roles of all these other things, um, you know, alcohol consumption, sleep, uh, for, for weight loss regulation, because it, it all plays a factor. Now, I, I love what you said, and I kind of brought that in because we didn't talk about this kind of in advance, but I bring that in because so often alcohol is not a part of that conversation, but I think it's like that ecosystem type thing. When you bring it into this and you start talking about all the fallout as a result of it, how that is – this is really kind of complex complex stuff, and it's not as simple as just walking in and saying, I'm going to have salad every day. It goes back to the premises. If you're going to really effectively regulate your weight, you need to look at it as a lifestyle change. And I'm not saying it's yeah. easy, but – at the top of the show, you highlighted that dieting itself makes the problem worse. So if you really want to lose weight, you can you can go for the easy fixes, which I think are taking you in the wrong direction, or you can actually face reality and say, listen, I really need to address this lifestyle change because that's that's actually going to be where I'm – that will get me where I want to go. Um, exactly. It, it's kind of counterintuitive. If I take the easy way out, it, take, it, it actually makes it harder in the long run. So um, – have we missed anything that uh, that that we've shortchanged? Any last thing to comment on before we wrap this up? I would say the other thing, just briefly, um, when you mentioned alcohol, is also cigarette smoking for a number of my ADD patients who are addicted to nicotine. Um, now, nicotine is an appetite suppressant. So, um, and in fact, there are a number of people that attempt to manage their weight by smoking, which is really terrible—a terrible way to manage your weight. I mean. It yes. sets, obviously, we all know the dangers of smoking. Um, but again, what people have to understand with cigarettes, uh, that anything that suppresses the appetite, the body is still, the brain knows that it hasn't eaten. Maybe in that moment it might be sort of tricked into that, but the body will rebound from that, that it, it needs what it needs. And no matter what we try to do, you know, we have the same bodies that, you know, the cavemen and cavewomen did that need certain essential nutrients and vitamins. And that's how you have to think of it in that sort of mentality is that we can't, that's why anything that says, oh, lose 20 pounds in two weeks, well, that's, that should be just a big danger sign right there because there's no way. And I always tell ADD patients, too, that to, to lose healthy weight and ensure a better chance that you'll keep it off, for men, it's about Two pound, at the maximum, about two pounds a week, and for women, about a pound a week. So if you want to lose 50 pounds, for men, that could take the minimum of six months, and for women, the minimum of about a year. And people with ADD don't like hearing that because they're like, oh, that's like too long, and they want results fast, and they want results quick. Well, you can get those results fast and quick, but it's going to come at a price. And so this lifestyle notion is so important. And the other thing I would just mention to people, too, is just find a buddy you know, people with ADD do very well um, having support and someone else who's also who, who shares similar goals. It's so much easier when you're not in it alone, kind of work through it and to get support. Um, and also be assertive that if your friends are like, hey, let's go to the buffet, that's where everyone wants to go, it's okay to say no. I, you know, if you know that you won't be able to regulate yourself, it's okay to say no or I'd rather go somewhere else or I'll meet you guys later. 
Um, and I think a lot of people with ADD have a hard time with that because they feel, um, you know, particularly men that I work with who, and particularly yep. men I work with who have eating issues, that they it, it just doesn't, it's not masculine or manly to say I'm watching what I eat um, in that sort of way or watching what I drink, particularly if you're a college yep. student where drinking is so glorified. Yep. So all of that, it really is a lifestyle change. It really is, and I hope we've illuminated this stuff, is that you know you can make your life harder by going for the quick fixes. You can make your life harder by stepping into that environment. You can make your life harder if, you, if, if you're not addressing the boring times in your life. All those types of things are, are, are interesting little tricks that can help you out and change your lifestyle um, to ha- help you regulate your weight. So with that, Dr. Olivardi, it's always so great to have you on the show. You're always, you're always so brilliant and you have such great insight. Um, I, can't thank you, I can't thank you enough. Oh, thank you. It's, it's always, always my pleasure, Jeff. Everybody, if you'd like to contact Dr. Arlovardi, if you've got any questions, it's Roberto, R-O-B-E-R-T-O, that's E-R-T-O, underscore Olivardi, O-L-I-V-A-R-D-I-A, at hms.harvard.edu. Catch us next week for another great edition of Attention Talk Radio. Take care, everybody.